so we get the pleasure of having Pastor Brian out here with us, and I asked him to share just a, a brief uh, bit on where children's ministry is going, what's going on. Yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, good morning. There is 167 hours in a week where on most Sundays we're given about an hour in a child's life to establish the biblical principles and foundations. But the important connection between what we do on Sunday and those additional 167 hours is critical. It's paramount to, to what we do. So, so I am excited about where children's ministry is headed this year. Some things that we're putting in place this year. Uh, I appreciate the classes that, that started this new year spending some time praying about the children's ministry. And so that would be the first thing that I would ask and that you would hear from my heart as the children's pastor here to you is number one, at the start of this new year, will you join us in prayer? Having a dedicated time where you are praying for these children and praying for the children's ministry and, and what we're doing. And we're going to give you four very specific things that we're looking to accomplish uh, in this new year. It is our new, the children's ministry, it's our mission statement. And it goes like this. We want to lead kids to know Jesus. Know Jesus. Not know about Jesus. Not know of a Jesus. We want them to know Jesus. We want them to know Jesus in making a decision of accepting him as their Messiah. And we want them to know Jesus in a deeper level of making a commitment in baptism. The next area that we're, we're putting our energy and our focus is we want the kids to grow in Jesus. We want the kids to be able to be familiar with the Bible so that they are completing a Bible devotional time. So they're having a time where they're opening up God's word and it is part of their life. It's part of their week where they're completing a Bible devotional time at their age level, and we're going to give them tools and resources to do that. And then second to that, we want them to grow in Jesus by having a prayer journal. I can tell you my most intimate times in the presence of God is in the pages of my prayer journal. Pages that at times and seasons of my lives have been just stained with tears because you're pouring out your heart. If we can establish that in the lives of children and for them to have a time of their, their own where they're praying and they're writing at their level what's going on in their life, that's going to establish something that will continue for the rest of their life. The next thing is we want them to sow in Jesus's kingdom. We want them to be givers of their time, talent, and treasure. 
And so that, that means we want them serving in ministry. You saw a glimpse of it, and you see a glimpse of it on Family Sundays where, where you've got junior ushers and you've got a junior sound and media person. You've got some junior greeters. Why are we doing that? We're doing that because we're modeling this generation that's coming up is going to be the church. We can't, we can't put them in a box. We can't put them in a room and say, hey, this is children's ministry. We are establishing a foundation, and what we do here with them will lead them into the next generation. So we want them to sow in serving in ministry, and then we want to, them to sow. We want them to have a giver's heart where they make a giving commitment. Now, the average elementary student is not going to have a 40-hour work week job. I hope not, okay? Some of you may have, like, chores, and they feel like, woo, this is a 40-week. No. Um, so we want them to make a commitment of giving. Hey, I, I want to give $2. I want to give $3. We all know that giving is never about the money. Giving is about the act of trust and obedience. And if we, again, can start establishing that in the lives of children, we're going to make a difference. And then the last area, we want them to show others Jesus. And when I talk about showing others Jesus, there's two things, there's two steps. One is we want them to begin sharing their testimony. The word of God declares that we will overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our, absolutely. And I know that that may be an, an, an old school term. It, it may be a, a few generations ago that we were more comfortable of sharing our testimony, but it doesn't mean that it is less relevant and less important. We've got to have the, the children being able to speak and share their hearts of what God is doing in their lives, what good things. So we need to, we're going to teach kids about sharing their testimony. And then the second thing is we're going to teach them how to share their faith. How to share their faith in class, how to share their faith on their sports team, how to share their faith with their family. We're going we're to do those things. So the, these four things are the four areas that, that I'm asking that you just begin to pray. That the children would know Jesus. They would come to know Jesus. They would be growing in Jesus. That these kids would grow in Jesus, grow in his word that they would sow in Jesus' kingdom, and they would be ready to show others Jesus. Know, grow, sow, show. That's, that's, that's where we're headed. And so I would, I would ask that each of you to, to have that on your heart as we go into this new year. We're in the first month of the new year. To begin to pray for those four things. Thank you guys so much for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very excited about what's going on. Um, there'll be more coming up. Um, I'll, I'll be announcing some, some more um, exciting news about some events that are be coming up, and, uh, and I'll, I'll fill you in, but I don't want to take too much time this morning. Thank you. Awesome. Woo! Good stuff. Good stuff. Can all of the... Everyone who actually works in children's ministry, whether it's uh, one time a month, you're rotating 
person in, in uh, nursery or where have you, if you, uh, or boys and girls clubs, whatever, if you have a role in children's ministry uh, at Alcoa Maryville Church of God, would you stand right now? Awesome. We're so thankful for you guys. You, you all make, uh, you guys make it possible. Um, and I'm so thankful for the vision that uh, Brian has shared with me and looking forward to seeing everything we can do to accommodate, uh, to collaborate, and to see it happen. How I many know we need it, right? Amen. Amen. Just want to bring up one other one other thing. Um, we are planning a missions trip to Honduras, and that is the uh, the dates are actually the thirtieth through the sixth. The thirtieth through the sixth, because we were looking at the 29th through the fifth, but the plane tickets don't work out. So it's the thirtieth through the sixth. And right after service, if you are interested in going, it doesn't mean you're a locked man. Doesn't mean you've signed any papers. You haven't, you know, you know, given blood or anything. If you are interested in going and like to know more about this trip, see Miss Amber right after service. She's going to meet with everybody right over here. Stand up and look, look at everybody. It's one of our mini redheads right here. <laughs> um, her and Faith are um, working together. I'm sorry, Paige. Paige, sorry, Faith. You, you want to, too, I know. Uh, <laughs> are working together to um, plan the plan that alongside of me um, planning the events down in Honduras. It's going to be a great time. If you would like to help support, uh, there is a spaghetti lunch and bake sale February the 2nd following the worship service. So on that Sunday, be prepared to stay and eat with us and all the funds go towards uh, the missions trip taken in beginning of June. Awesome. You love Jesus? Amen. Amen. Somebody loves Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus, right? That's who we are. We exist because everybody needs Jesus, and we want to be a part of that. I don't know about you, but I just want to be on fire. Is that right, Donnie and Kelly? We'll be on fire, right? Praise God. Kathy, good to have you this morning. But you know... We talk about wanting to be on fire for God. We talk about it. Of course, in some of your classes this morning, since the heat and air unit went out, <laughs> I told them, I said, once this class is full and everybody gets to talk, it's going to be fine. <laughs> I might get in trouble for that later. I said, you know, once Tony puts on the music and y'all get to dancing in there, it's going to be great. But, you know, we talk about Wanting to be on fire, right? And I believe that that's a desire that we have. Or maybe it's a dream. Maybe it's something out there that we think that would be a good thing, but we don't know how to get there. But the, the point is, is we talk about it. We talk about it in terms of revival. Man, we just need a revival to just hit this place and whoo, pow! Right? We want that. We talk about it. There was, um, there was an, an atheist who decided, you know, he wasn't going to church, but one day he was in the neighborhood in, the, in this little village, and uh, the church caught on fire. 
Well, he went out and ran and started telling everybody, hey, you need to come to church. He started getting, gathering everybody to come to the church. And as people came, they started grabbing buckets and dipping water and throwing on the church. And one of the guys sar sarcastically looked and saw the atheist there. And he says, well, I've never seen you at church before. He goes, well, I've never seen the church on fire before. You can't deny when there is a move of God and the anointing of God is present and people are being healed and transformed. When people walk in an absolute mess and they leave a somewhat in order, it is an absolute miracle of God taking place. I've seen drunk people come into church staggering in wondering how they got there and all of a sudden in the in the snap of a finger they just sobered up and bam they're like whoa who is this i need this right and we want god to move amen we want to see god vibrantly moving again in the body of christ and and on wednesday nights we're talking about walking in god we're doing a series on walking with god and we talked about walking with god we talked about walking as a son's coming week we're going to be talking about walking as a servant of god and i believe that when we understand that this is a journey that god wants us to walk with him and when we're truly walking with god we become uh subservient or we become a part of his plan we're truly submissive to his will then we begin to see god move in our life amen oh me oh no god help us you know i was um you might have heard me say this but there was a a saying in in spanish when something really hit somebody you know there would be sitting in the back and be, ay, that me. And I remember preaching, um, I was in a place called Los Fuertes, um, the strong is what that resembles, said Los Fuertes, and in this church, this doctor who, a phenomenal doctor in our community, uh, but had happened to come to church that Sunday, and man, the Holy Spirit hit that service, and and he stood up, and this is a six foot, I mean, you don't, you don't see many Hondurans that are six foot, like two. And this guy stands up six foot two. Oy, baby! You know, and the whole church was like, woo, hallelujah. You know, everybody got to shouting. I said, praise God. It's about what happens when GT screams out about every once in a while. I noticed, GT, that there is no one sitting in front of you. <laughs> There's this big gulf right there in front of you. <laughs> That's all right, buddy. Let her, let her rip, Tater Chip. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> but you know, the thing is, is that how can we experience the fire of God? How can we experience this supernatural passion of God that so overwhelms us, that just eats us alive, that we just want to do it every day. We just want more of it. We just can't get enough of his presence. What gets us into that place? And I think of Jeremiah 33 and 3, and it says, Call on me, and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Call on me. I think the very initial 
aspect of wanting to draw near to God is just calling on God, spending time with Him. Because God is not wanting to hide something from you. He wants to reveal Himself to you. He wants to reveal His plan to you. He wants you to know Him. Isn't that awesome? God, the creator of heavens and earth, the creator of who you are, He wants you to know Him. Wow! It's, an, it's amazing. And the thing is, is if you look back and, and you see people who call on God, you see that how God answers their prayer. In the Old Testament, we see Moses cried out to God and God spared Israel from judgment. Joshua prayed and, and, and literally made the sun stand still. Hannah's prayer was answered by, uh, with a baby boy. Solomon got wisdom in answers to his prayer. Jonah's prayer brought him out of the belly of a whale. Come on, right? I mean, fire came down from heaven when Elijah prayed and burned up the offering and sacrifice there on the mountain. Wasn't that awesome? Elijah had this great power of God upon his life, but when Elisha prayed for a double portion of his spirit, God didn't even bat an eye and said, yes, you can have it. Wow. God answers prayer. God answers prayer. I mean, even Jabez prayed. He says, Lord, bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory. God, always be with me. And guess what? God answered his prayer. Thank you, Jesus. But not only is God valid and active in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, there were ten lepers who prayed and, and, and when they came to Jesus and instantaneously were healed. Peter prayed and Dorcas arose from the dead. The thief on the cross prayed and was immediately saved. The early church prayed and the place was shaken where they gathered and cloven tongues of fire came down and they all spoke with other tongues and they all were empowered and endued by the Holy Spirit because they prayed. Wow. Peter got out of jail because of the answered prayer of the Christians who were there praying for him and, and when we look in Philippians, the, the Philippian jail literally shook so hard that, that the doors flung open as Paul and Silas were praying. I don't know about you, but God is still at work even today. And yet so many statistically looking, so many do not spend time in prayer and yet we can see over and over and over again how God answers prayer. Amen. I mean, it's fascinating to read the accounts of prayer of the saints of the Old Testament. It's, it's amazing to see how God moved in the New Testament because people were praying. But when you look at the history books of the early church and even uh, in modern history of how God moved through people's prayers, it is an amazement. It is an encouragement. It's exciting to see and to think that the same God who did it then can do it now. Amen? I mean, you think of uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer who wrote The Cost of Discipleship and as a German theologian who was put into the uh, concentration camps during the Holocaust and, and how he prayed and how God used him in a miraculous way. We think of Carruthers. We think of George Mueller. We think of John Wesley. We think of our own T.L. Lowry, the evangelist, who many people were healed under his ministry, under his healing ministry. God used him in a powerful way. 
We think of Amy Simpleton McPherson, who, who was the founder of the uh, four, four Square Gospel Church, who literally in her latter years, the, the, the congregations would fill the stadiums and they would bring her in on a, on a bed because she was bedridden. But as she prayed right there in front of them, the Holy Spirit would come upon her and she would come up and then preach the gospel powerfully. And, and then thousands would be ministered to and healed and saved because of prayer. Wow. God can still do those things. I believe that. And, 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 and the question is, is what has hindered us? What has, why don't we see that type of miraculous thing take place as much? Now, I'm not saying we don't see it. I mean, how many have had a miracle happen in your life? I mean, so we, we can testify of miracles that have taken place. With no doubt, we see God moved in powerful ways. That was probably one of the greatest benefits of living uh, on a mission field was to see God do miraculous things over and over again because you knew that it was incapable for man to fulfill what happened in those instantaneous moments and God showed up. And did marvelous things. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And I'm so thankful that in, in the connection class this morning in youth, they were talking about prayer. And then the children went around and, and uh, thank you uh, teachers for being willing to allow the kids to come in and praying over them. But they had prayer stations in each one of the, the rooms and even in here, they had a prayer station uh, talking about these four elements of know, um, grow, sow, and show. And so thank you for those who were in your classes and prayed over the children. And so today's a day of prayer. Today's a day about prayer. And so if you're with me in Matthew chapter 5, verse, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, says, when you pray, then say if. It said, when, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen uh, by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse 7 and when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in, in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Verse 14, for if you forgive others for their uh, transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse 15, but if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Father, I pray 
that as we look intently into your word, that God, we will grow. That we, as uh, Brian has laid out, that we, one, we will know you, that we will grow in you, that we will learn that we are called to sow. And Lord, that we will be willing to be testimony and show the world what what we have seen and what we have heard, that we will invest that word into others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. But you know, when you look at this passage of Matthew chapter 6, it actually begins, uh, verse 1, with beware, or um, your version may say, take heed to yourself. And I think this is important because uh, so many times we do things unintentionally, we, or we go into something so, um, I don't know, just, we don't go in with a, a, a true honor of God. We don't really go in truly uh, with a focus on what we should be and who we should be and who He really is, right? And so it says, take heed to yourself. Um, uh, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So we need to be careful that we're not here with the wrong motives. Amen? Right? We want to make sure we're with the right motive. But the idea is that there is an assumption that we will pray. It didn't say, uh, if you look at the scripture, it says, uh, it, uh, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. You heard me say that uh, two weeks ago. These are ideas that are understood for those who are following as disciples of Jesus that they will do. And so there's an assumption that we will pray. The idea is that we need to understand that prayer is a privilege. Amen? I mean, I think that so many times we, we think, well, that's just one of those works that Christians should do. And it becomes some kind of laborious thing that we get in our mind. Well, you know, um, you know we got to tarry for so, uh, so long, you know, before we truly get into the presence of God. And we, we put time frames on, well, i got to pray at least an hour. And, and, and we make it such uh, an intimidating thing and, and such a religious thing that, that we lose sight of the intentions and understanding that this is a privilege that God himself has given us. Think about this. We're not going down sitting uh, in front of a priest who, you know, just happens to be behind a box, who, you know, we're confessing things to. Yes, Father, I have done this. <laughs> Some of y'all will never leave. <laughs> Takes one to know one, doesn't it? <laughs> but we're, we're talking about, we're talking about engaging in a relationship with God himself. That's just mind-blowing. I can't imagine thinking that I'm talking to God. Wow. And God has invited us into this relationship. It is a privilege to be able to go before God. And so we often take it for granted. It's like you know, living in a billionaire's home and that you, you get so accustomed to, you know, the maids cleaning the house. You get so accustomed to, you know, somebody picking you up at the front door. I mean, I know none of us are like that, you know. But, but the idea is that we get so accustomed to having everything we want, when we want, that we take for granted the fact that it could be gone just like that. I mean, in the 30s when, 
when the stock market fell and everybody had invested everything they had into the stock market, there were literally people jumping off of, out of windows because they had lost everything. And so when we think that, we have been given the privilege of prayer, a relationship with the creator of heavens and earth, the, the one who owns the cattle of a thousand hills, the one who is our provider, our protector, the one who can care for us, the one who has set in motion the world but has not just left it rolling by itself but has been active in every single one of our lives, every single day. God himself is right there walking with us, stating to us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And too many times we sit by it and we, and we sit there and stare into space as if God's not there. We walk life in this journey as if God's not even in involved and yet he's saying here I am just call on me and I will answer you and I will show you things that you did not know you may not know the path but if you will call on me I will show you sadly is is that we all find ourselves guilty at times we all find ourselves in places where we have not spent the time to really hear the voice of God. And you say, well, hey, how can that be? I mean, well, you look at society right now, uh, at the divorce rate of society. These are people who see each other every single day. These are people who communicate. These are people who are right there, and yet even being uh, roommates, if you will, in life, companions in life, they still don't know how to communicate. They still, quote unquote, fall out of love. In other words, they don't, there's no falling out of love. I you hope you understand that. Love is a choice. And they choose to walk away from love. And so if we do that in this arena where we see each other face to face, where we can have the privilege of touching and feeling and knowing that they're right there and we do it with the ones who are close to us how much more do we often overlook the fact that God is right there willing to communicate with us willing to spend time with us willing to allow us to experience his presence in a way that we can never even comprehend or imagine and yet we walk without him be preaching this morning Jesus help us prayer has to be a priority if we truly say that we want to see God move if we truly say that we want to see the fire of God falling again in our service it can't just be lip service that we make it has to be actions that we produce it has to be something that we walk in. Amen? Yes. It has to be something that, we tr that truly drives us. I mean, we can say things like, well, I'm, going, I'm planning a vacation this year to Disney World, and we'll fast, you know, one meal a week, you know, and we'll put, you know, that money for that one meal a week into a savings account. We'll do everything we can to get what we want, and yet do we really want God to move? 
What do we sacrifice? What do we put aside? What do we lay apart and say, Lord, I am consecrating. That word means sanctify. That word means to set apart. I am setting myself apart from this so that I can draw near to you because I don't want worship to be about me. I want it to be about you. Because when it's about him, the whole atmosphere changes. When we truly engage him and it's about his presence, it's about allowing him to fulfill his plan in us and we're willing to be changed by him. Woohoo, that's a big word. When we're really willing to allow God to extract the things in our life that is unnecessary, that is uh, hindering his plan, then we truly will see God begin to move in our life. Ouch, Jesus. You know, prayer is the greatest outlet of spiritual power. I mean, wow. I mean, it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's the source because without this relationship, without this communication, how do we know what to do? How do we understand the plans of God? It's kind of like me... Um, you know, pulling one of these vacuum cleaners out of this uh, closet over here and, and, and rolling it around with a cord ro- rolled up. I mean, I can sit there and go, you know, I mean, I can do that. I can make some noise. But there's nothing happening. It has to be plugged in. And the thing is, is that we walk... There are five areas in which we truly allow the power of God to be demonstrated, and it's through our life, it's through our word, it's through our service, it's through our money, it's through our prayer. But if none of that is plugged into the power source, then what is it? I mean, the Bible says this. It says, though I have the tongue of men and angels, right? And hath not love. What's love? Who's love? God is love. So God is the empowering force behind anything that we do actively for the kingdom of God. And so therefore, you can do pretty things, but if you're not plugged into the power source, it might touch one or two people. But if you are plugged into the power source, even the atheist who is living down the street can't deny that there's something going on at that church because God is moving and lives are being changed and transformed. So there has to be something real. can't kick against the goads, if you will, right? When you see that something truly is being fulfilled. God, help us. Yep. So when we think of prayer, we think that there has to be elements of prayer. We have to worship God. Josh laid out a beautiful uh, message uh, the last Sunday of, of the year talking about uh, worship and breaking down that word worship. And, and, and so worship has to truly be a part of, of our relationship with God because worship basically says, I love you, God. It is, the, it is the Deuteronomy 6 and 4. You know, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, and strength. I mean, it is, it is that moment. Worship is truly acknowledging that He is God and we give worth to you. Another one, uh, another person said that worship is our response to God as He reveals Himself to us. And I don't know about you, but man, I've seen God move through healing. I've seen God move through you know, supernatural miracles. I've seen God uh, move through the transformation of my own life from becoming the heathen kid to, you know, the somewhat mature adult. <laughs> I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us. Oh. <laughs> pastor Josh, there's still youth pastor in my blood. Woo. And so there has to be a part of our prayer needs to be worship. I think so many times we come to God and, and it's like we forget who he is. and We just jump down and, and it's like he's the Santa Claus. We jump down and, okay, God, you know, I want this and I want that. And, 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 and you know I need this. And so-and-so even told me they need this. And so we, we lay out these lists before God and, and we bring that without the idea of understanding who he is, bring, coming into his presence with worship, worshiping his name, giving glory and honor and praise to who he really is. And when we acknowledge who he is, then we have a greater understanding because how many understand that praise is not for God? Praise is for us because it puts God in his rightful position in our life because it gives him a seat in the throne room of our life. How many understand we're the temple of the Holy Spirit? And so when we come in and we begin to worship him, it places God himself on the throne room of our life and it exalts him in us. And so then we begin to say, you know, we begin to start recognizing the presence of God because he says, if I be lifted up, in other words, if I be praised, if I be exalted, I will begin to draw all mankind to me. And so when we begin to praise him, we begin to be drawn to his presence. And in his presence, we can see the manifestation of what he wants to do. It's then in his presence that as we are in all of who he is, that he says, you know, what can I do for you, son? And we can then begin to offer petitions. It's then that we can begin to intercede for brothers and sisters. And after we've offered petitions and after we have interceded for brothers and sisters, then we get into this place where we begin to thank God for what he's done and what he's going to do. Those are elements of prayer. I ain't got time for all this. I, I think we have to be careful because, you know, in, in each one of those things, when you pray, it says, don't do like the hypocrites do. I, I think that sometimes we, we feel like the the closer we get to God, that, that the, the less we have to deal with sin as if sin's not present. But I want you to understand something. That sin is not the outward works that we do, but it's the, it's the disposition of who we are. It's, it's the position of our heart towards God. And, and let me tell you something. I mean, Peter was a part of Christ's inner circle, if you will, and he said, be careful, Peter, because sin is crouching at your door. Another pastor says, 
uh, don't think you're so good because, you know, just, just when you think you're righteous is when you fall. I mean, if you, if you think about it, it was, where does sin originate? It didn't originate here on earth. It didn't originate with Adam and Eve making a mistake. It, 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 it originated in heaven. You're saying, what? It was Lucifer standing in the presence of God Almighty, reflecting the glory of God. And because he was reflecting the glory of God, the angels, the Bible says, would, were bowing down to the glory of God. And, and when you think about it, it was his enjoyment of receiving the worship, although they were not worshiping him, he wanted that worship. And so we have to be careful that when we pray, we don't make it about us. We make it about him. Because it's not about us. We were created for him, right? We're created by him and for him where we, were, where we were created. So what are we doing for him? We often pray and we make it about us. Listen, let me just tell you something. That double-edged sword is hitting me just as much as it is you, okay? I'm not perfect. And I, I definitely pray for some things I want to. But the thing is, is, is my prayer, is our prayer, the engagement of his plan for the kingdom of God. And Lord... What is your will for my life to expand your kingdom? When I get up in the morning and my, my prayer is, Lord, what can I do that will impact the kingdom today? What, what is it, Lord, that you want me to do? What engagement do you want me to make today? What divine appointment have you laid in my path today? God, help me not to miss it. Because this life is not about me. Too often we're praying, God, make my life comfortable. God, make me, give me this, give me that. And, and it's all about making sure that we have everything we want. And I, I know that's our Americanized Western mentality, but there are literally churches in, in, in China that are, that are being persecuted today who do not have anything of the privileges that we have and they're just praying, God, we just want to know you. Give us a place where we can find you. Give us a place where we can get together and we can worship your name because we just want to know you. God, help us to draw near. We have to be careful that we don't have the wrong mentality in prayer because, you know, uh, we can be like the Pharisee who walks in uh, to pray and says, Lord, let me, don't let me be like that person over there. It's in there. And, and, and we're measuring ourselves based on someone else's uh, religiosity or someone else's relationship with God or someone else's cultural position in life, and it has nothing to do with that has everything to do with, am I in tune with the Father? Am I willing to hear His voice? 
Am I willing to allow him to lead me? Am I willing to allow him to direct my path? I mean, the prodigal son was probably always looked at as the worst child, right? I mean, how dare this kid take his inheritance and go and squander it? But yet, at least he was willing to come back home and ask for forgiveness and was offered a place and relationship in the house. And too many times we don't look at the, at the older son who, who literally was in the house, but yet chose to identify with the slaves instead of having a relationship with the father. And the father looks at him and says, All I have is yours. Too many times we're just unwilling to recognize that we have the ability to have a relationship with God and in that relationship we have an inheritance and we live so far below those things and God's saying, you're my child. You've been adopted. If you were here Wednesday night, you heard me say that at 11 years old, my stepfather adopted me. and I, I became Paul Dyer. I was Paul Bolt before that time. You won't find that in, in the history books. You won't find it in, in any search because when I, uh, when I was adopted, all of the documentation of who I was has been deleted and I am a new creature. Come on, in a physical form, I am Paul Dyer, but now I have a relationship with Jesus Christ and I'm no longer the old man, whether it be Paul Dyer or Paul Bolt or any alias that I might have had. I am a child of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and you are that same relationship when you learn to trust Him. Amen. Amen. Give me, some, give me some land of music. I feel the crock pot going off. <laughs> he said, when you pray, go into your secret place or your closet. There's a place, I mean, look, there's a place in time for public prayer. We get that. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together in my name, where two agree on touching one thing, it shall be done. There's a place for corporate prayer, and we need that. I'm so thankful for those who have filled out uh, forms to be a part of the prayer team. That's, that's so exciting. Looking forward to connecting with you and forming a plan of prayer and making prayer available for our church. But the idea is that there's, there's a need for us to find the secret place, to find the time to set aside, to say, Lord, I shut off the phone, I get off of the social media, I lay aside all of the cares and I go spend some time with you. And there's something to be said about spending time with God uninter uninterrupted, isn't there? And when you can spend that uninterrupted time with the Lord, I've never seen the movie War Room. Wow. It's powerful. If you haven't, get it. See it. But when you can spend that uninterrupted time to be able to engage in the presence of the Lord. Josh was telling me this past week we were talking and, and, and we're talking about our, our fasting over the 
the last week or so, and he said, you know, man, in, in one of my prayer times, he said, I just felt that, woo, you know what I'm saying? Just get the high, yes, God. And I just want to, I want to know that I'm walking in that. That I have the ability to get into that place with the Lord because He wants to meet me there. You know, we get so busy in life, you know, we don't date anymore, do we? Husbands, do you date your wife? You should. You should. Kim and I used to be so good. We were better in Honduras than we are now. We were so good about taking, you know, one day a week, it was our date. Whether it be date lunch or date dinner, we were on a date. We set aside the time. Boom, no interruptions. It was a meeting of minds. You know, it's on the calendar. Nobody can mess that up. We had a family date. Friday nights was our family date night where we all the families together, we eat together, we hang out together, we play games together, we watch movies together. It's that moment. Look, the enemy wants you to be so busy that you lose sight of relationship with God. It already happens with kids in our life. Kim, when we get kids, whew, they're running us from this way and that way. and We see our spouse and say, what's your name? But I can't, I, I can't say enough how important it is, not only that you maintain the relationship with your spouse, but how much more that you re- maintain your relationship with God, that you spend the time communicating. Look, life is going to throw you curveballs. It's expected. But what helps us make a home run every time is hearing the calls of the coach. It's going to happen. It is, this journey is going to be filled with crisis. It's, you, you can't not have crisis. I'm just telling you, don't, don't walk around thinking you're living on this bed of roses and you're not going to have any problems. You're going to have them. And as a Christian, more. Because this journey is about you being transformed from glory to glory. And the only way we can be transformed and get into that intimate relationship with God is through those intimate times of communication. Over the, over the 20 Five years that Kim and I have been together, we celebrate 25 years this summer. There's things that we talk about. There's things that, you know, I think I have some timers with. And I forget and she has to remind me, you know. I know none of you guys, you guys are like perfect husbands. In the 90, I'll say that Brother Jerry, 99% of the problems that me and her have is my own selfishness. She's perfect. <laughs> Man, I mess it up. 
But the thing that we have and that we've always had from the very beginning is that we communicate. We talk about it. Man, this lady right here is super respectful. If I say something out here that she disagrees with, I'm going to get a look. But what is so amazing is, is that she'll wait till she gets home and say, honey, we need to talk about this. Yep. And you know, 99% of the time, I already know that's coming. <laughs> we work through it. God wants that kind of relationship with you. He wants, he does, He's not looking for you to come and have your perfect halo on, you know, because most of our halos are held up by our horns. And so He's not looking for us to come in this perfect state and, and expect us not to mess up. I mean, if He thought we wouldn't mess up, He wouldn't have had us in His Son. But he knew that we would mess it up. And he has a plan. And the great thing is, is that it is not us who present ourselves to God as holy and pure. It is Jesus Christ, the husband of the bride. And he's the one that presents us to the Father as holy and righteous. And so... How much more should we have that relationship with Him and communication to say, Lord Jesus, I am messing this thing up, but I'm asking, I'm needing, I'm begging, I'm calling on you. Will you help me? And the more that I lack in communication, I pray, God, that you would help me to communicate better, help me to find ways Help me to find that secret place that I can spend time with you to hear what you're saying to me so that I can truly walk in your presence. You know, I don't know if you realize this, but Israel never communicated with God as Father. Did you realize that? Never did. I mean, although that Israel as a whole was considered a child or a son, sons of God, individually, no one ever called God Father. But here Jesus introduces a relationship that is so intimate, that is so close. And he says, Father, Heavenly Father, Hallowed be thy name. He opens up a relationship that, that gives us the ability to communicate. And even later we hear where we could say, Abba, Father, which means intimate, close. It's like me with my dad saying, Daddy. And he give, Robert, he gives us that ability. And man, I long for that relationship that I could enter into His presence and feel the embrace of that fatherly love 
who passionately holds me when I'm in my broken state and pats me on the back and says, Son, it's going to be all right. You're not alone in this thing, and, and I'm sorry that you have failed through this process. I want to teach you some better ways. I want to teach you something else so that you don't have to continue in failure, but you can continue in success. This morning, I don't know where your prayer life is. I don't know how intimate your relationship with God is. Maybe you're like the older son of the prodigal and, and though you know that your father's there, you're too often finding yourself still uh, hanging with the slaves, still bound. Maybe you, you haven't realized the authority and, and, and the ability and the inheritance that you have been given and you're living below that relationship's gift, if you will. But my, my question this morning is, I'm not trying, I'm, I'm not, I don't want you to be religious, okay? Please, you hear my heart. What I'm asking is, do you truly want to be in a closer relationship with God? Is that your desire this morning? Would you just raise your hand? I don't know what your schedule looks like. I don't know what your daily life looks like. It might be chaotic. But I'm asking, would you invest? The word that Brian used was so. The word that, that I'm going to be using in the next few weeks is invest. Would you be willing to invest in that relationship with God? I know we're in a 20 to 1 day fast. Maybe you've joined that. Maybe you haven't. But would you be willing to sacrifice something that, that appeases your flesh to say, I'm going to put that aside. And I'm going to spend the time that I normally spend in doing that. I'm going to spend it with God. I don't, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. But I want to encourage you. Will you? Will you do it? Will you take that time? Look, make worshiping Him a priority in your prayer. And as you enter into His presence, I'm believing that there's some things that God's going to illuminate in your life that, that man, it's going to be transformative. You're, God is going to reveal some things. That's what His Word says. He says, seek me and you'll find me when you search me with all of your heart, right? He said, call on me and I will show you great and mighty things which you did not know. I believe that when you make him the priority in that relationship, that there's going to be revelation made. And I'm excited because I'm looking forward to some of that revelation. You, you had a revelation just recently of some things that God told you you needed to do. And, and, and I'm excited because I believe those were first steps of seeing greater things for your whole family. And I'm believing God's going to do that in each one of your life. Would you stand and join me? How many believe that? Amen.